Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, made it. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host. John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast episode. Rolling down the highway, doing 190, going my way in control. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And that is a clue to this week's guest. One I am intensely excited for. One that came together in less than a week because I got my head out of my ass and realized, hey, why don't I send a pitch to one of my favorite bands that's playing in Denver on Friday? That's right, I've got Chuck Robertson, the lead singer of the Mad Caddies, on this week's show. Now, the Mad Caddies are a band that I have loved for more than 20 years. You've heard me say that before. I said that when I interviewed Vinny Fiorella from Less Than Jake. That was true then, this is true now. Here's the anecdote I have about the Mad Caddies. I lent a CD to my friend when I lived in Houston, Texas. He then lent that to his friend. And in return, he lent me one of that guy's CDs. And that CD was duck and cover by the Mad Caddies. I don't know that I ever gave that back. No, I did. Because finally we connected. We cut out the middleman and we're like, hey man, can I have my mustard plug CD? And he's like, yeah, if you can get my Mad Caddy CD back from Jason. And I go, yeah, dude, I already have it. Like, it's right here. Let's just trade directly. I went to the mall and I bought it myself. But that CD didn't leave my CD player for a good six months. I could not get enough of it. As I say in this episode, I wanted to inject it into my eyeballs. Last week... I'm thinking about going to the show. We're going to the Scallywag Festival. Went to that on Saturday. It was fantastic. It was Rancid and Bad Religion and Pennywise and the Interrupters and the Mad Caddies and the Potato Pirates. It was just this killer lineup. There was like three hours of craft beer tastings before that. It was a whole day of debauchery. I mean, what a time to be alive here, right? So the Mad Caddies are playing this pre-party the night before with Younger Than Neil, who's also been on this show, who is also a great, great ska band. And they came on and melted everyone's face on Friday night. I mean... They're just crushing it. So I'm like, hey, I do this podcast. I've interviewed Less Than Jake. I've interviewed Younger Than Neil. I want to feature the Mad Caddies. They got back to me like within a couple hours and they're like, sure, we'll do it. And I'm like, wow, how cool. Like give people the opportunity to say yes. That comes up again and again on this show, but it's an important lesson. Give someone a shot to say yes. I mean, I love this band. Why not try and talk to them? So I got to hang out backstage. It was right after their sound check. It was before their show. It was at Globe Hall, which is a venue I've never been to, and they had like this Airstream set up where the band could hang out before the show. It was like the green room. It was a really nice setup, and they had barbecue there. It all smelled really good. I didn't have dinner there. I should have because it smelled amazing, and they all said it was great. But I got to sit down with Chuck for like 40 minutes and just chat with him about you know, the evolution of the Mad Caddies, how they started when they were like 17, and they looked at these bands like Skank and Pickle or... The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, and they go, we could do that. Our band is definitely good enough to do this. So, you know what? Let's give it a shot. 
And they just went out and started touring. And he told me it took them like five years, but they started making money. And they're in a really good spot now. And what's funny is that I came upon them in high school. They got started in high school. Chuck and I spent a good chunk of this podcast talking about being dads. Like the evolution of this is crazy. And the staying power of this music is remarkable. So God, what a thrill. What a, what a great time. Uh, I adore the fact that the Mad Caddies were so willing. I emailed with this guy, Graham. He's the bass player. He was doing sort of the, the coordination here. But he set me up with Chuck, and it's a great conversation. I think you're going to adore it. We'll get to it here in just a second. If you're new to this podcast, I feature interviews with people from all across the employment spectrum about what they do, how they do it, and how they got there. More than 190 episodes. I've got a lot with musicians. I've got some with comedians. I've got a ton of entrepreneurs. But you will find something you like. So just go to johnofalltrades.us. That's J-O-N of alltrades.us. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. All you got to do is search John of All Trades. Hit that subscribe button. New episodes will come to you every Wednesday. That's right. Brand new content comes at you every Wednesday. And coming up, I've got a voiceover artist. I've got people who work in legal cannabis. It's an amazing lineup of shows that I've got coming towards you. I've got someone in veterinary science coming up very, very soon. So there's a ton here. And if we're doing one thing on this show, we're trying to build empathy. We're trying to uncover more parts of the world so that we're all a little bit less scary. We all learn something. And God damn it, if nothing else, we take the leap. And that ties back to this episode. Because if you think about being a 17-year-old kid and being like, we're going to be a band, we're going to tour, and this is how we're going to make our living, that's a leap. That's a remarkable leap. So if you yourself are thinking about making a leap, go for it. I've got a roadmap helpfully laid out for you across more than 190 episodes of this show. So if there's something you want to do, go after it, dig into my archives, and feel free to get in touch with me. Social media might be the best way to do that. J-O-A-T pod across platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. And what else can I tell you? I'm excited about this week's show. It's a Monday morning as I'm recording this, and I've just never felt more alive. So hope you feel the same way. This is episode 190. It's Chuck Robertson, the lead singer of the Mad Caddies, one of my favorite bands in the entire world. And this episode starts right now. Right. Oh, well, no. Well, Todd, our drummer, he came from Oregon. See, like, okay. some, yeah, he lives in Oregon and the rest of us are in Southern California, so. Okay. Todd was first to arrive at the La Quinta and he, you know, he had to get up early to fly out of this little town bend and it's a nightmare for him to get anywhere. Okay. So you're here in Denver tonight and then Denver tomorrow for Scallywag Fest. Yes. And then, uh, you're not doing Austin, right? Mm-hmm. No. But we were scheduled to play Austin, but, and then it got canceled three days out and that okay. was our first show. Of like a two and a half week tour, and they canceled us three days out, and we were pretty upset. So <laughs> we, they were nice enough to like give us our deposit for that show to cover our expenses. Oh, we lost good. our ass, like hauling a bus all the way out there and our whole crew to not play. And then, and then it was it was Austin, Texas, and then our next show was Toronto, Canada. <laughs> so it was like, oh Jesus, man! Well, no, no, no. We did Austin, and the next day, excuse me, it was Dallas. Then we did okay. Dallas, and then we drove to yeah Toronto. We're like, hey, it would have been nice to know. Okay. <laughs> But these things happen, man. It was somebody's fault, but not ours. I don't know. So it's funny because you've got Scallywag coming up tomorrow, and then there's like a week until you're like back up in the Pacific Northwest, right? And so, like, are you playing shows between there? No. The, so yeah, these are these are just fly-ins these weekends okay. with the Scallywag thing because uh, 
We did do tours around them earlier in the year, in May and uh, in the summer. On these ones, yeah. We'll be back on tour um, in next month in October in California. Okay. And we're doing like 10 dates. Are you guys touring like punk rock steady? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Because I recently heard that and like it's really fucking good, man. And so like the thing about it is I was thinking about this as I was driving over. One of the biggest songs going on right now is – you're cool, man – Weezer's cover of Africa right, by Toto. I know. It's totally, yeah. Every, it's, it's, it's out there. Like, Everyone, it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere, totally. But so, as I was listening to Punk Rock And then Steady, Toto did a cover of Weezer Hashpipe. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa. And cool. then I saw Weezer recently did uh, All the Small Things by Blink-182, because Blink-182 had to cancel the show. And it's like, okay, Weezer is just like your jukebox. And right, yeah. Should, we got you. <laughs> right. But what's funny is that cover of Africa has some backlash to it, because it's like... I think Weezer is just playing the song. Like, there's not a real sort of no. Take there was on there it. was there was no intention. No, no. It was just yeah. So when just I listen it. to punk rock steady, it's like you guys are re sort of cutting these songs. Like even a song like Alienate by Lagwagon, which is one of my favorite songs. It's like you guys have a unique spin on it. So it's like a different version. It's like hearing it for the first time. Sure. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and that was the intention, and the, and this was not our idea. This was Fat Mike's idea. He'd been bugging us for years to do it. And Why? Like, he, it just he just he wanted to do a because he you know he did the me first and the gimme gimme thing, and oh, that's totally. been very successful. And it's like you know that's great gig for a lot of guys, and people love it. It makes people happy, and it's just a good thing. Me first and gimme, I love it. It's I a do good too. Thing, it's a great thing. And he's just like, dude, you guys need to do that, but. Do ska reggae versions, you know, <laughs> make a record of all these classic punk songs, you know, but do them ska reggae to catify them. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And then we just, we kept putting it off and then back burner, you know, we put out Dirty Rice and then we were supposed yeah. to do that next. And it just, ah, yeah, yeah, it never happened. And then he came around and, and was like, he actually called me personally at the right time in all of our lives. It was just like, dude, I really want to do that reggae cover album. I'm like, well, where are we going to record it? He's like, San Francisco. I'm like, at your studio? And he's like, yeah. And I just started dating my girlfriend. I've been with like a year now. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, sounds great. I'll be up in the Bay Area for a couple of months. Perfect. Well done. Purely selfish reasons. <laughs> but I'm like, no, we all really did want to do the record. And it was a lot of fun. And it, and we all, everybody kind of has their babies. You know, like Mike has a couple songs. Sasha has a couple songs. I have a couple songs that were like our picks and our babies. And what are yours? Um, well, mine was she was the big one. Oh God, that's such and I had a to great fight cover tooth too. and nail to get it on because Mike didn't want a Green Day song on the record. Why not? Because he's super competitive with them, you know. And it's just like they're big enough. They don't, you know. It's like, yeah, but she is that one single that was the sleeper single that your mom knows, and she doesn't yeah. even know she knows, but she knows it because everyone knows that song. And it's like it, it just made such fun little pop reggae. Dude, song, that song like, is magic too. And like, I just, I've always loved that. Was always one of my favorite Green Day songs from high school when I was a kid. Yeah, I actually too. wrote an essay about that song in English class. Like, oh no, shit! Well, you had to pick a song and like <laughs> break it down, and I picked that song, and I was like, yeah, this is about you know the <laughs> well, insecurities of a teenage girl. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I can relate to this. So Chuck, you'll like this. Uh, when I was in college, I took this creative writing class, and we had to compile a like a list of poems. And so I picked SOS. Oh, nice. Uh, but I attributed it to the Mad Caddies because you guys covered it on the holiday has been right, canceled. Right, right. And so, like, I had a roommate and he goes, it's, it's funny that you attributed this to the Mad Caddies because that's clearly an ABBA song. And I go, well, what? <laughs> Didn't know it was a cover. No, no. 
But, uh, but it was one of my favorite songs on the holiday has been canceled along with falling down. Like right. those are two all timers for me. And there was one time you guys played the bluebird. It was like 2002, 2003. And we're up in the balcony and we're all shouting. It's me and my friends. We'd lined up Coors light bottles on the edge of the balcony and we're screaming at you, just chanting SOS, SOS, because you guys never played that. Right. But I, I felt like you heard us, and you played SOS that night. And it was, nice. I feel like it was the only time I'd heard it. We probably it, did. We, we used to play it a lot in the early days, and then we stopped. We need to bring that back in the set. It's a fun song. That's a good one, man. Someone so, actually emailed us um, or a private message on Facebook or something, and some guy from, like, CoverMeSongs.com or something. Okay. And he's writing an article on ABBA, and cover band, and he's like, oh, I just found the Mad Cat. I noticed you covered it. Is there any funny stories about this song? Why did you cover it? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like... Oh wow! That we did it like twenty years ago. I don't know. Are there? Let's, let's think about this for a second. That yeah, was like let me two go back ago. in time, right? That was literally like two days ago. I was like, oh, okay, we'll think. We'll get back to you next week. That's <laughs> funny, man. Yeah. So this is Chuck Robertson, the lead singer of the Mad Caddies, a band that I have adored for more than twenty years now. You guys are my first real punk and ska show. I saw you at Fitzgerald's in Houston. Wow. In like 1998, and that's a house. If you don't know, that's literally a house. Oh no, shit, Fitzgeralds. Yeah, you guys played upstairs. It upstairs, was, it was yeah. hot as balls. It's a house. It's like a f- old plantation house. And wow, there's a venue in it. Yeah, yeah, and I it's think like, that place is still there. I don't know. I haven't yeah, been actually, back in, in a long time. But you guys were uh, like middling. It's right next to you. Thank you. I keep losing it. Right. You guys were middling for like the Mad Cat, or uh, I'm sorry, for Mustard Plug. Oh yeah, that was our first tour. That was your first tour? 97 was our first. If it was 97, it was our first tour. It wasn't 97. Okay. It was after Duck and Cover came out. Okay. I remember playing a show with Mustard Plug there. Like, yeah. So that would have been like 99, 2000. Yeah. It was like early 99. Okay. 99. We were touring around. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and so that was like my first show. I saw you guys. I, I stole Duck and Cover from one of my friends. And it did not leave my CD player for months. That record hit me like a freight train, and we're 20 years out from it now. Yeah. And so, I mean, that one, I just heard it, and I go, I need more of this. Like, I I wanted to inject it into my eyeballs, man. (laughs) That (laughs) That record... Just, and we listen back to it and just go, oh, man, we played it too fast. It's all too fast. It's all too fast. You guys think it's too fast now? <laughs> we, we listen to the recordings, yeah. We're like, fuck, it's so fast. <laughs> Dude, that was one of the things I liked most about it because I was coming out of grunge. Right. And so grunge was so, like, slow and deliberate and, Melancholy. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I realized I wasn't that way. Right. And so when I heard you guys and I heard Mustard Plug and Less Than Jake and The Suicide Machines, like, Destruction by Definition was one of those records that again just hit me so hard. Right. I go, I need more of this. And the fact that I saw you live just I it, it, it pushed it over the top for me. So it's funny to me that now that you hear Duck and Cover, you go, No, it's too fast. Well, I'm just being hypercritical, you know. Well, but, of course, you're gonna be most critical of your own stuff, right? But we do, yeah, we do go back to some of the earlier recordings. I mean, I can't even barely listen to our first record. I mean, I only Quality had. Quality softcore? Yeah, I only had one day on vocals. One day. We recorded that whole record in like four days. Jesus. It was man. a demo. It was supposed to be a demo. And Fat Mike's like, nope, sounds good. Print it. I'm like, no. <laughs> Dude, it rips. And we literally borrowed like 500 bucks each from like collectively from four of our parents, got a, you know, got a couple grand together and recorded our first real demo. And wow. It got in Fat Mike's hands like three days later from Joey Cape from Lagwagon. And it was yeah. like, oh, hey, you guys are signed. We're like, cool. But we have to record a record now. He's like, no, it's done. We're like, 
no. He's like, yep, yeah, perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a demo, man. He's like, print it, send shit, it out. Shit, shit. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, what a story. Uh, that's wild. And it, it reminds me of a, a question. So as I told my friends that I was doing this, all of my friends are still like, we're huge Mad Caddies fans. Like, we love ska. We love punk. When you talk to some people, they go, it was like a phase I went through. We never graduated out of that phase. Right. Uh, the Mad Caddies are the band that I have seen more times than any other band. Like, literally, I think it's more than 15 times. Wow, I've seen that's you guys. a lot. Yeah, it, it is indeed a lot. You've uh, seen us almost as much as we've seen ourselves. <laughs> no, that would be... That would be wild. But uh, he came up with a question. I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm talking to the Mad Caddies today. What would you want me to ask? And he said, given that you guys have been successfully touring and successfully been a band for this many years now, what was the vision of success when you started? And how do you define success now? I think most bands would be thrilled with the fact that they're still drawing audiences, still getting to do what they do this many years later. So can you tell me what was success looked like when you started it? Sure. And what does it look like now? Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's a cut and dry. I mean, I remember uh, just vividly, still like it was yesterday, going and seeing Skank and Pickle. Oh, dude, and Skank and Pickle, yeah. Let's Go Bowling and Fishbone and Mighty Mighty Boston's. And that was my high school, you know, going. And Santa Barbara luckily had an all ages venue. How old are you, Chuck? I'm 40. Okay, so yeah. I'm 37. So, I mean, we're not far apart. Yeah. You were probably a senior when I was a freshman. So, right. like, so you deal. know, we started going to these shows, you know, sophomore, junior, sophomore year. And it set us, you know, and we were like the theater kids, stoner, surfer kids. But we, yeah, totally. we came from a, a, a rural high school, only about 800 kids total. So we're friends with all the, the rednecks and everybody and like all the cliques. We, we could go to all the parties. You yeah, know? you walked, you walked we, among we all. We walked among all of them because everybody liked us because we were the band and we were nice. And, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember clearly going to those shows and just being like, okay, we can do this. We can get to this level. If we work hard in the next couple of years, I feel like our band is good enough that we can get in a van and go tour around the country. And I think people will come to see us because they're already coming to see us in our local town. Yeah. Once we started, you know, playing shows. Were you and, playing like house parties and stuff? Well, we, we, yeah, we started our first show as like a house party and then we played at lunchtime recess at our, our high school. We got permission, you know, to play nice. at our high school at lunch. It was awesome. Everybody loved it. And we have it on video still. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, we still do. The principal shut it down like after we finished our 20 minute, 25 minute set, which was like half ska and half like hip-hop and grunge <laughs> so funny <laughs> and then like it got shut down because our buddy got in there and started saying the f word doing some freestyle rap over like todd and sasha's beats but i remember clearly that's what success was like all we gotta do is be one of those bands and we'd already heard like yeah you could you know you can make 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a year as a touring punk rock musician if you're playing a hundred shows a year and if your band's getting a couple grand a night and you work hard and you're in a van you stay at motel six and people like you were like Cool. That's the job I want. <laughs> totally. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. Well, far like, preferable than punching a clock, yeah, right? And when you're 16 or 17, you're going, F, F I never want to You can curse on here, man. Yeah, it's fuck fine. That, fuck that shit, man. I don't, it, it took a long time to get to that point where we could actually make a living. The dream was further away. And it took, you know, from that point in high school, I was 17, we didn't start actually making money playing shows until about five or six years later. It took five okay. or six years. And I think maybe 
2003, we finally actually started making a living as musicians. Was that right around Just One More? Just One More, okay. yeah. And, you know, we were getting money for tours and shows and stuff, but it's still, we were such a big band. We had, we had, at that point, I think still like seven dudes on stage. Yeah. And it's just like, you can't make a living, man. You go <laughs> come home from tour, there's a couple grand, you're like, all right, 500 for you, 500 for you, but we've been gone a month. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> how do I pay rent? <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, so we all figured out side jobs that everybody did their own thing. What yeah, were your side always, hustles? Uh, mine was, in the beginning was always just easy, like pizza delivery, barbecue, bartending, you know, yeah. stuff like that, working shows, you know. Sure. Uh, and then later in my late twenties and early thirties, I did wine tours, like tour guide, like you know. Oh yeah, because you're, you're we're, we're from wine country, from like Solvang, right? Sideways, man. You've seen the movie Sideways. Totally. That's where the Mad Caddies are from. <laughs> like, that's literally the restaurant I go to, the Hitching Post. I go to that. Used to go to that hotel bar. <laughs> the Days Inn. It's not now, not anymore. It's, right? It's called the Sideways Inn now. It's all fucking bougie. Oh, no it's shit, fucking hilarious. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew you but guys we're from were there. So like, yeah, man, we were we were simple country kids, and like, yeah. So when we just, after the first couple of years of just getting to tour the world and travel. That was the definition of success for us in the beginning. Okay. It did, it had nothing to do with money. It was like, oh my God, we, we're on a label. We've got two records out. We're going to Europe. We're on a tour bus. You know, we're playing with these bands that we've idolized for years, opening up for all around the world. So what, like no use? Yeah, and... no use for a name, no effects, snuff, yeah. you know, all these bands. And, you know, Friends Will Rom, our Australian buddies, and getting to go play Australia and Japan, high standard. We're just like, oh, my God. And this was all before we were, like, 22, 23 years old. Jesus, man. And so that, the money didn't matter. You weren't making any money, but you didn't have to pay any money. Okay. So it was like, hey, you showed up and there was, you know, at least a place to sleep <laughs> and there was water and beer and some food and you were happy. And you, it, you didn't even, you wanted for nothing. Wow. And it was amazing. And then somewhere in our mid, late 20s when we tasted a little bit of success of actually making a living, then you started to reach for loftier goals. You're like, okay, we did make X amount of money that year, like, you know, whatever you're carpenter buddy would make you know working sure. at home but shit i had to go out and tour 200 days that year that was rough <laughs> how can we do it where and balance it and that's what we figured out after 25 years in the last i think really five years we found the balance okay and i'm i'm feeling success again where the frustration is gone and about having it be a full-time gig all the time okay. the mad caddies are a full-time gig when we decide to make it and a year and we're gonna, okay we're gonna do a caddies year like we're gonna play a hundred shows. And wow! Do it. And that's what we—that's what we did this year, and what we're in the middle of doing. And then next year we're like, okay, we're gonna back it off a little bit. Let's let's tune it back. Let's maybe do fifty shows. You know? Yeah, sure. And, and but what we found is we can balance the playing the places we need to go where there's people that want to see us, and um, not going out for two months. And just longest tour we do now is is three weekends, and we only do that. Two to three times a year max. Oh, no kidding. And then the rest of it is weekends. We call it old man touring. You know, we have <laughs> some of us have children, myself included now. I have a son. And you don't want to be away from your kid, you know? Oh, just no, like, you don't, man. You don't. And so it's like, hey, dad's got to go play in Denver this weekend, son. I'll see you on Monday. No big deal. But when dad has to go to Europe for like, dad will see you in five weeks. Like, no way. Oh. Oh, we don't do it anymore. And so now it's like, yeah, the longest we'll go away is, is uh, we call it the three weekends, and it's just 17 days. Okay. And do that a couple times a year. That's it. Well, it reminds me of I saw this, uh, this like, Rise Against documentary. I bought it, and Tim was talking about, like, his dad phone. Oh, know? yeah. And so, like, his wife was sending him videos every day of their kid. And so I used to travel a lot for work, 
And then when I left my corporate gig, I'm home all the time. And so, like, I get to pick him up from school every day. Right. And I did not realize that that would be something that mattered to me and would factor into my work Huge. calculus. Yeah. It's massive. It's dude. massive. I'm divorced and, um, you know, just went through a child custody deal because my ex-wife um, decided to move for a job. And okay. it was really hard and moved, like, eight hours away. Jeez, eight hours. Yeah, to Lake Tahoe. And um, the job for her and the opportunity for my young son for the school, it's, like, personal stuff. But it was, it was really... It outweighed the the negatives of the sure. business, so making it work. But what I realized is the time I get to spend with my son because of my job. When I'm with my kid for four days, I'm with him for twelve to 100%, fourteen right? hours a day, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't go to work. I don't go anywhere. He wakes me up seven a.m. Papa, all right, buddy, let's go. <laughs> and he doesn't go to sleep till eight thirty or nine. So it's like it's totally. just me and him. <laughs> so it's like four days of that every other week is like. What some dads don't get to have in a couple months because they're gone nine to five and they might only get an hour or two at night if they have to commute or something with their kids. So right, so it's almost like even, the Netflix even in model, this, right? Right, even in this, it's the it is it's the binge exactly. It's the parenting time where it's like, yeah, I just get to binge with my son every other week for like four nights, and it's working for us right now. Yeah, it's not ideal for me, but it's like, what can you do? You know, it's like yeah. that's the same thing with touring. It's like it's the bonus of my profession is when I'm with my son and I'm home, I'm there. Yeah. I'm not. Hey, buddy, dad's got to go to work. See you later. Yeah. It was nice to see you for three minutes. Yeah. Right? And he's three and a half, so he's in preschool. But when I'm home, it's like, no, he's just with me. Oh, he's three and a half. School. When's his birthday? Uh, February. Okay, so my daughter turns four in October. So they're nice. right they're close right together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a fun age. Man. Oh, dude. Like, And they're they're so sassy. Yeah. Like, They're funny and they're quirky. Just blah, blah, blah. So oh, dude. Talking like, like a... Getting her to shut up is the oh, trick. I know. <laughs> I know. That's the thing about driving to pick him up. I don't have to listen to the radio. He'll talk for three hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, Love dude, it. it's it's uh, it's funny because you can get him into what you're into. You don't have to listen to like little kids stuff. Mm. So my daughter, they've recently got out of this. They're into Alice Merton now. So like lash right. out and uh, no roots and all that. But for the longest time, we were listening to Rancid. Right. We were listening to Memphis and Ruby Soho and Fall Back Down. We're, that was like the three-song stretch every day on the way to school. Loved it. Yeah, we were listening to Rancid. And so I'm like, I hope the teachers appreciate the spirit in which this is intended, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't need – the little kid stuff is great for them, but they also need to hear the adult stuff. Yeah, no, they Just definitely. like you and I – I mean, I don't know what your parents love to do, but I grew up as a little kid on, you know, Grateful Dead and Beatles and Rolling Stones right. and Hendrix and all my parents were, you know, hippies and classic rock. See, my, my parents were not hippies, so I listened to a lot of, like – turn in a circle like slow dance type shit oh man oh geez yeah. like doo-wop type stuff oh yeah so but, they like they like the pops the charts uh yes yeah very much so dick clark yeah yeah no, my parents were like dropping acid going to like muddy waters and like my mom tried to make it to woodstock her car broke down halfway. <laughs> <laughs> uh you mentioned like you know we do like three weekends a year what are you guys like top cities is denver like a good place for you because i mean i've seen you a ton feel like you come through here all the time. Yeah, we try to get to Denver at least every other year. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, like this year we're doing about 100 shows, and this is a big year for us because we had the record out. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, Dirty Rice, gonna, great record. Oh, well, we have the uh, – Oh, yeah, no, Punk uh, Rock punk Steady. Rock City. Exactly, yeah. No, but, Dirty uh, Rice was uh, a couple of years ago. ago. Yeah. And then we're planning on releasing new music next year and kind of continuing this path for next year. Nice. Everybody's stoked on it, so – We'll see where it takes us, but yeah, we're going to continue to be busy. 
uh, into next year, which is good with a bunch of new music. So. Dude, that's original stuff. That's like half of it's recorded already. So just kind of wow, really? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of the fact that you guys have been a band for so long, and you know there are bands that go on hiatus, they break up, they you know they they go, we're not doing this project anymore. You guys have been consistent. How does the songwriting process evolve from say? When you're doing quality softcore or duck and cover, how does it change to now? You know, thematically, how are things different? Musically, how how are you guys constructing songs differently? Um, well, I mean, the first record, that's always like you had your whole life to write your first record. <laughs> right. You know, so. That yeah, was, they always talk about the sophomore slump, right? Yeah. And then, and then our sophomore was duck and cover. So we came out swinging with that one. One of my all time favorite records of any. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've changed a lot. I mean, but it's still. The process is still similar. I mean, it's primarily Sasha and I, you know, are the okay. songwriters. Todd, our drummer, has been writing some songs uh, in the past um, and then heavy on the production hand, you know, in the studio, engineering and producing. Um, it's, it changes every time. Dirty Rice was a very collaborative record, you know. There was a lot of collaboration. But the general thing is, like, somebody's got a song and it's mostly done. Right. You know, Sasha, he doesn't write lyrics or anything or, like, Melody, so he's more like, okay, I've got these really cool chords, and then sure. like, and then he might have like a melody, we'll hum a vocal melody, and then I'll come up, collaborate with the song, write the vocal melody, write the lyrics. If he's got something, and if I bring a song to the table, if I bring a song to the table, you know, it's going to be mostly constructed, like it's going to be there and be like, okay, open for like, cool, come up with a cool bass line, and let's try some different rhythms out, you know, but the structure yeah. will be there. Same with Todd, you know, so everybody works a little bit differently, you know. But we're all pretty collaborative. But yeah, it's there's a lot of a lot of cooks in our kitchen, which is cool. Like every album is like you can tell whose songs are whose. Oh, that's know? interesting. And it's like it's interesting because um, I love it, you know. And some of my favorite songs to play live are the ones that I didn't write. <laughs> can you give me an example? Well, like "Shoot Out the Lights." Uh, oh, that's yeah. off Dirty Rice, and Todd wrote the music and uh, vocal melody and everything. And then a friend of ours wrote the lyrics. No kidding. Yeah. A buddy who helps, like, he's wrote lyrics, I think on the last couple albums, he's, like, snuck in there on a, on a song or two, collaborating or writing, yeah. In general, do you do a lot of the lyrics? Yeah, no, I write most of them, like, most all of them. Okay. It's just nice. With Dirty Rice, it was at the point where we had, we'd written so many songs and actually finished them that never saw the light of day. <laughs> and, like, at the point where I was, like, at one point, it was, like, 30 or 40 songs that were, I think it was close to 40, 30 done, but, like, 40 that were, like, pretty much done. And then we only got put out twelve thirteen. So oh, okay. at one point it was like, geez, yeah. it's nice to just have someone else's. And my friend, the friend who wrote the lyrics, Logan, yeah, he's just a really good lyricist. He's just mm-hmm. one of those guys that, you know, local friend, musician, never played in a touring band or anything, you know, regular work and stiff. And he's like, yeah, dude, your lyrics are cool. You want to do something on this? And he's like, yeah. And then writes this beautiful song. Wow, fat, dude. Yeah. Um, so thematically for you, how how does your songwriting experience change as, as you continue to evolve? Because, I mean, the Mad Caddies are a band where I, I remember I was interviewing Vinny from Less Than Jake. And he said, a lot of people want to put Less Than Jake in a box. And he said, when we went to In With The Out Crowd, uh, people were pissed because we were trying to get outside that one box. Right. But in terms of the Mad Caddies, I think you're harder to put in a box because your sound is so 
varied. You know, it's all over the place. Yeah, there's yeah. there's Dixieland influences, and there's like New Orleans style jazz, and there's ska and reggae and punk, and like I think about the band or the the song Contraband. I mean, that's like that's a very hardcore type of song, mm-hmm. and so it's all over the place. So in when you're coming up with new songs, how do you sort of approach that? It's just been different on every record. It's all been where we've at. Uh, excuse me, where we have been at, I think, personally, at that point of time in our lives. Yeah. You know, and it's just the music shows. Um, and then once you get to keep it going, you get to more of, like, the world music and reggae and kind of yeah. more dancey vibe. And that's kind of where we're at. And that's the music I like to listen to. And, you know, I still love throwing on punk rock records when I'm going to do push-ups and work out and stuff. <laughs> you know, right. and it's like... Generally, if I'm like, you know, cleaning my house in the morning, you know, I'm going to throw on some Wilco or some amount of showers. I'm like something chill. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm 40, man. But <laughs> I there's still such a big place in my life for that punk rock and for that ska. So I think we're never going to let that go. Like on all of our new endeavors, like even on the new albums that we're working on right now, there's going to be a huge departure like there always is. But oh, there's sure. always going to be that staple. Like, you're going to get that manic, fast Scott Punk song. You're going to get that classic Caddy's jazzy, Dixielandy deal. Like, we're, I, you know, I think just because of what we've done and who we are and what we sound like when we just are who we are, mm-hmm. I think it's going to come off that I think everybody's going to be happy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a question for you. I love this. is one of my favorite questions to ask bands, which is what in your back catalog? do you feel like doesn't get enough love? You know, so, I mean, there are certain things that you're probably going to have to play, right? Where fans right. of the Mad Caddies sure. are going to want to hear it. You know, like sure. Backyard right. or Road Rash. Sure. You know, so, I mean, those are almost like prerequisites. Another if you're staples, you have to play them, otherwise people would be upset. Yeah, they'll be pissed, right? I right. mean, so we can probably guess what those staples are. Sure. But in terms of your back catalog, what do you think doesn't get enough love? I don't know. I think... Well, we know because the fans tell us on our on our message boards and stuff, you know, our message boards, who has those, what, it, what it, I mean, through our social yeah, media. Yeah, like Facebook message. comments, yeah, yeah, that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. Facebook comments and stuff. Because we ask, hey, what songs do you want to hear on this tour? And it's like, it's always like the same three or four that come back to haunt us that we still haven't put in the set that kind of used to be there. So we're going to work on this. Uh, like, what are they? Uh, one is like Good Intentions uh-huh. uh, from Just One More people always want to hear that yeah, that's uh, a good one one is uh what you gonna do one is uh wet dog people always ask for that song we've never played that song live that's yeah no i've never heard that one. yeah that's weird and we're like man that's like a sleazy joke rock song that we did kind of as like tongue-in-cheek like but people like it it's like a sex song it's like so funny two that i wish you you would play a lot and one was just on a comp it was on one of the fat comps it shut the door Oh, that's a fun song. I forgot all about that. I love Shut the Door, we man. We used to play that song. We played that song when it was it, during its time. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, we should but play no, that But no, like I yeah. still listen to that one. Shut the Door is a great song. Yeah, when you leave, shut the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. We'll, we'll work on that one. <laughs> Perfect. It's okay. only like a minute long or It's probably a little too late for tonight, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, another one that I wish you guys played more was um, Game Show. Oh, see, that's a weird one. We've never played that one live, ever. People ask for it all the time. I love Game Show, man. People ask for that one, never played it, not once. Not once live? Not once. Really? Uh, uh, It was a studio song. It was an afterthought, a campy. We were like, let's just do a Game Show song. 
Dude, that that song is great. I love it. I was like, oh, we'll never play that live. That's so cheesy. <laughs> Dude, throw I, it out there. I think it's good. But okay, so in terms of your back catalog, what do you want to play that people like never ask for? I don't know, man. I think I, we need to dig around, but I don't know. I dig around every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, we're playing all the songs people need to hear. Let's write some new ones. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I don't know. There's there's fun ones though that we we forget about that that are always nice to bring around every once in a while. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so in terms of the Mad Caddies, where do you guys want to go from here? Like in 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 terms of who you are as a band and things you haven't done, what are the kinds of things that you want to do? Are there places you haven't played? Are there bands you haven't played with? Are there types of music that you haven't written yet? Well, yeah, we want to just continue to grow as artists and make this another 20-year run. You know, we're almost 25 years into this one. Uh, 95, we started, and we're in uh, 2018. So, yeah, 2020 will be 25 years. Pretty crazy. That's wild, man. And why not? (laughs) That's that's a long time to do anything. It's a long time to do anything. And so sometimes you're sitting here, you know, in an Airstream in Denver going, what am I doing here? You're like, because I want to be here. I really am having a good time. and. And we still have fun, and we still feel like we make people happy and uh, bring meaning you know, to the music that we make. And we want to just – I'm excited to see what music we can continue to make in another 10 years. Dude, yeah. I, I, I personally can't wait to I'm, see I'm excited what we have now, what we're ready to put out next year. We've already got an EP ready to go, and we're going to put out like this series of EPs over next year. And so a uh, bunch of personal stuff, and it's – I don't know. I'm excited. Everybody, uh, it's just something different. We want to continue to just try new things, you know. And with the the environment in the music industry these days, uh, you know, with the digital revolution and you being able to reach your fans directly now, it's like we know who our fans are. They're out there, and like we know the people that want to hear our stuff. And so it's just exciting to know that when we put out music now, it's so easy for everyone to get. It's just like bam, it's right there. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, I, in, your, it's in your inbox. <laughs> well, I I can Here go on my phone and just download, right. you know, punk rock steady like nothing. Like comes I, on and you're like, boom, you have it. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's there. It's there, exactly. Well, yeah, which is fantastic. Well, Chuck, I'll tell you, like I am one of the people who will listen to you guys no matter what you guys put out. I'm going to be there and listen to it. And the fact that you can listen to new ska music. In 2018, I remember that's what I wanted to ask you. If you think about in the 90s, you had grunge, and then there was like swing. And I mean, there's still swing music that you can listen to. You cannot go to a grunge show in 2018. But not really. You can go to a ska show, well, like I don't for know. instance, it's like Mud Honey on tour. Or anything. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe like you can probably go see Bush. But here's the thing: right, the band that's opening for you, I had on this show. It's a band called Younger Than Neil. They are a brand new band making ska music in 2018. Yeah, it's awesome. There are not bands out there making grunge music in 2018, at least as far as I can tell. Maybe I haven't looked deep enough. Right. But but the lasting sort of imprint of ska is remarkable. And the fact that you guys were on the leading edge of that and you're still making hay with it is insane. Do you have any feeling on that? Did, did you expect it to last the way that it has? Well, I hoped for this, and this is all I could hope for, because as a young man with a plastic graphics bong in my hand at 17, you right. know, with a black light and a freaking Grateful Dead poster, you know, listening to Ska, going, 
Man, it's going to take till we're like 40 years old for weed to be totally legal, but I bet it'll be totally legal. And you know what else is going to happen, man? Ska's going to be big again then. It'll take 20 years, but it'll be big again. <laughs> hey, I was right about both things. I have a crystal ball, man. You know. No, I knew it was going to make a comeback. It's too fun. And like all of us had kids. And some of us, you know, I'm 40. People that were into it, they're 45. A lot of them, th- their kids are 19, 20 years old now. Totally. You know, it's like people had kids young in their early 20s. It's like, dude, their kids are adults coming to shows with their parents. Like I saw the hardtimes.net. I don't know if you follow that. Yeah. That satirical website. But, oh, my God. It was like high school. It was like local kid drives his dad to Aquabats show. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, dad had a few too many Capri Suns and, you know, moshed a little hard. I just sat in the parking lot live streaming, you know, and <laughs> playing some tank games while he was in there. You know? Oh, shit. Dad, dad loves Ska, though. It makes him so happy. But, you know, I knew he had to work in the morning, so I had to get him down early. <laughs> this is like from the 14-year-old boy perspective. It's hilarious. It's like, that's totally us, man. Yeah, for Kids sure. driving us to the Ska show, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, my kids listen to it. Like, right. my kids love Less Than Jake. Yeah. They, their, their favorite song currently is uh, Kerosene by The Interrupters. Well, of course. I mean, and and, number eight on Billboard charts today, I guess. Well, for sure. And yeah. the fact that, that Kerosene by The Interrupters is on the Billboard charts at all. That man, the kids are going to like ska. You know, ska and reggae will never go away because it never has. It just goes in and yeah. out of the mainstream. But. Somewhere is somewhere in the world. People are dancing to ska music or reggae every night. For sure, every night. Yeah, yeah. a couple of personal anecdotes I want to share with you. One is that uh, when I saw you guys, you were opening for or not opening, but you were like uh, sub headliner under no use for a name. You were playing at the the Bluebird. Uh-huh. It was like ninety nine or two thousand, and. Uh, you go, okay, we're going to play one more song. What do you guys want to hear? And I'm down in the front. I'm right in the pit, and I'm shouting at you. I'm like, no hope, no hope. Right. And you point at me. So I'm like this 18-year-old kid. You point right. at me, and you go, we're going to play no hope for that dude right there. Nice. And I go, holy shit. Like, what a day. And, I like, that blew my mind. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> I uh, made your day that. Yeah, dude. Um, and then... Uh, I interviewed Sasha, and this is sort of a mea culpa on my part, because I interviewed Sasha for KCSU. You guys had just come out with Just One More, and so I was working college radio, and I think I emailed your tour manager or whoever. You were headlining. It was Rise Against, Real McKenzie's. Fat Tour 03, yep. Yeah, and the flip sides. Yep. Which was a great show, by the way. That was a great tour. Yeah. We did 53 shows in 54 days. We had one Good day Good God, off. man. Oh, it was so Did gnarly. that nearly kill you? Mm-hmm. It was like our first headlining tour in the U.S., like on a tour bus, though. So we okay. were like, so excited to be on a bus. <laughs> instead much. of what, like a van? Yeah, instead of a van in hotels. But then you realize that most of the venues we were playing didn't have showers. Oh Jesus! So then it was like, oh wow, I've like haven't had a shower in like five days. This I remember sucks. the Aggie did though in Fort Collins. The Aggie <laughs> yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd get a shower, you'd be like, oh my god, that's too funny, man. Yeah. Um, but so I interviewed Sasha. I realized it was mini disc era, so I had a mini disc, and I didn't record it. Like I fucked up. I didn't <laughs> know how to how to do it. 
So I knocked on your tour bus again. Sasha came out and I go, dude, we have to do the interview again. Can you do it again? And he goes, sure. So I'm asking him the same questions. He's giving me the same answers. And halfway through, he's like, dude, this is too weird. He's like, I, 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 I don't know what to do. Like, I, you're asking me these things. You've already asked me them. And I go, yeah, I know. I'm really sorry. Here's the kicker, man. I fucked up again. <laughs> and so that interview never actually aired. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was so unhappy. And you guys were playing again, but I was too embarrassed to ask you. Anyway, so that's me sort of just flagellating myself in public because I need to. But I'll tell you what. On that note, just because that's like confession here on this show, right? Right. Uh, we'll wrap up because I know you got to get ready for your show. You guys yes, are going sir. on here in just a bit. This is the part where we do plugs. Where can people find the Mad Caddies? This is going up next week. So uh, after Scallywag Fest here, you guys are going to the Pacific Northwest. Feel free to plug shows. Uh, feel free to plug anywhere you can find us. Uh, find the Mad Caddies digitally, whatever you want to plug. Yeah, you know, you know where to find us, Mad Caddies. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can go to our website. I don't think there's much there on madcaddies.com. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if there's real tour dates, but they're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, we've got a, a album that came out in June, uh, Punk Rock Steady, out on Fat Records. It's great. Twelve uh, of your favorite punk rock songs, covers done reggae and ska by the Mad Caddies. It's been fun, it's been fun playing them. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, another string of dates in California in October. Ten more shows, so come if you're in California, come find us. Fantastic. This will be on the companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of alltrades.us. Chuck, this was an enormous pleasure. You guys are one of my favorite bands. Uh, I can't wait to see you tonight, and I wish you continued success. Great. Thanks, John. And when you leave, shut the door on episode 190 of the John of All Trades podcast with Chuck Robertson of the Mad Caddies. They put on an amazing show Friday night at Globe Hall and Saturday at the Scallywag Fest. It's just always fantastic every time I get to see them. Two more notches in the Mad Caddy's belt. I think I'm almost up to 20 times seeing them live, and I never get sick of it. So thanks, Chuck, for taking the time. I adored our chat together. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I'm a communications consultant. I do training, content, engagement, and podcast production. So if you're thinking about launching your own podcast, hit me up. I can give you a hand with that. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4 D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. If you are doing something online, 4Degrees is the company you need to contact. They will get your service, your candidate, your product in front of the people online who need to see it most through social media channels and through online marketing and advertising. They're winning awards all the time for their work, and I'm proud to have them as my sponsor. So hit them up, the number 4 D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. That's J-O-A-T pod. Typically run a first job. This week you heard Chuck mowing lawns when he was 10 years old to save up for a BMX bike. Check that out on Monday. New episodes drop on Wednesday. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or the homepage, J-O-N of alltrades.us. I'll see you back here next week with a brand new show. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak.